back to Steppin' on the Beach, the only place to read your emails and tweets. It feels so good. It's Thursday, July 2nd. I'm J.E. Skeets, and alongside me, ready to boogie board with the bros. We got Tass Mellis. What's going on? Hey, Tassie. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. The international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. And last but not least, making the magic happen, is J.D. Hello. There he is. And here we are. Guys, email us. And keep them coming. No dunks at theathletic.com. Tweet them in at no dunks inc or use that hashtag no dunks. I've had a fun week so far on no dunks on Monday. Talked with an NBA Jam expert, Rayon Ali, about that billion dollar arcade hit. He wrote the book on NBA Jam. It was a really fun conversation. Lee, do you have a favorite NBA Jam team back in the day? Did you play the arcade game? Of course, of course. I, I love being Brad Lohas on the oh. Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> You're the Boo. one guy out there. <laughs> Even Dwayner's not picking the Bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the thing is, I found that it didn't really matter. You know, you could still win with any team with any players. So, you know, when Brad <laughs> Lohas good. is getting a few wins over Akeem Olajuwon, it's like, yeah, Brad Lohas is a baller, man. <laughs> it's amazing. On Tuesday... Uh, in celebration for Canada Day, we counted down the top 10 moments in Canadian basketball history with Blake Murphy, also a very fun, informative, I think, podcast. And Blake dropped his article up on The Athletic, going into more detail on those 10 moments. So go check that out and make sure you listen to that one. And then on Wednesday, well, this was a, this was a treat. I tested Shea Serrano's knowledge of his San Antonio Spurs on the latest Who Wants Some Trivia. We will not spoil anything for those that haven't listened to it yet, but a strong performance. Let's just leave it at that <laughs> from Shay. So go check that one out as well. All right. Let's get and then, into it. And then on Wednesday, Skeets, you shuck some oysters. How yeah. about that? Oh, man. Well, that's news. Well, correction. I, uh, I shucked one oyster test. You can mm. drop the S. Yeah, you don't need to pluralize that. Jared, my buddy Jared, did a majority of them. Um, <laughs> I tried my hand at one, and nobody got injured, so that was good. You know, decided to use the screwdriver technique, like the the, the flathead screwdriver, instead of a knife, so it's not as dangerous. But uh, it's not easy. You know, you gotta find that little seam and then crack it open. But man, they were delicious once we got in there. Yes, we were celebrating Nora's birthday uh, on the first. A screwdriver. Wow. Yeah, no, it, it works well as long you just gotta find the little seam and then you pop it, and it it does crack open. But it's just finding the seam is the is the tough part. I've been reviewing some of our documents uh, throughout the season, and, you know, Temper Boy was a nickname that caught on for you early, Skeets, but now I'm thinking maybe Oyster Boy. Oyster Boy? Isn't that a restaurant in Toronto? <laughs> it <laughs> was, <Shucks>. I think. <laughs> um, man, it was good. It was a great meal. Yeah, we uh, ordered in from uh, Kimball House here in uh, Atlanta. I know some of you guys have had that. Got the cocktails too, JD. Oh, sweet. Old oh, fashioned. Had, had a dark and stormy last Ooh, night. Comes wow. in a little, it came in a little bottle. And you know what? We even splurged for the cocktail ice. Wow. Yeah, that is, you know, that nice, nice, small crushed ice. I felt like Dave Grisham, my Ooh. buddy Grish and his love of ice, ordering that $6 <laughs> bag. Yeah, we went all in on it last night. It was a lot of fun. All right, let's jump into it here. First one Hey, Sknud on. That's no dunks backwards. I've been a fan since the early starters days, and I've always admired Lee's unapologetic love for Bradley Beal. However, in the last three years, Beal has made two all-star teams and earned a huge contract extension with the Wiz. Is it just me, or has Lee been hyping him up less often since then? And if so, does this have anything to do with Beal's establishment as a number one option and a much more well-recognized face in the NBA? My question to you guys is, has there ever been a player that you were all in on earlier in their career 
but when they were a little bit less well-known. And then you lost that admiration for them once casual fans began to enjoy them as well. Does going mainstream take away from a once obscure player's novelty? That's from Mason in West Hills, California. Lee, he addressed you, so why don't you get us started? Yeah, he's right. Um, I mean, I still love Bradley Beal. I mean, he's still one of my favorite players. But uh, certainly now that he's a two-time All-Star, should have been a three-time All-Star this season, you know, it feels like like it's vindication for all those years of me picking him when he didn't make it, you know, that people now go, yeah, he is a star, this guy. He's a great player. And uh, he had, you know, an incredible season this season individually. The Wizards obviously weren't too good, but he had those back-to-back 50-point games on back-to-back nights this season. Like, He's really, people were like, man, he is a superstar, this guy. And um, so now I sort of sit back and I just take a victory lap, really. I'm just like, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. But um, <laughs> do you yes. do that with, um, like, in your past, like with bands too? Like, is there a, has there ever been a Ooh, band? What like band has Lee early? liked before they became popular? Come yeah, on. <laughs> the Darkness. Okay. <laughs> so you, were, you were in early on the darkness, and then they, well, then they blew yeah. up. All right. I saw I saw them at uh, at the Robbie Williams ga- uh, gig that day, and uh, and they were huge. And like, if you weren't there, you didn't really know about them because people weren't talking about them. And I was like, the darkness are great. Went and saw them at the Brixton Academy a few weeks later, and they were awesome. So. <laughs> The problem is they didn't have a very long career after that. Right. They kind of crashed and burned a, a couple of years later. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say the other band is live in Australia. Um, got on them before everyone else did in Australia. So there's two. Anyway. Lightning crashes. Yeah. Well, no, it was the one before that, the uh, Mental Jewelry oh. album before that. That was, the, that was the one that got me. So I was too mainstream, cool. I guess, yeah. <laughs> Anyone else? Uh, do you agree with like this concept? Like, Trey, have you ever... You know, so you've liked a player and then they sort of became a star, let's say, and then you're like, eh, you don't care for them as much because everybody loves them now? No, I never abandoned my boys. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm more on the other side of things where as soon as somebody gets started getting hated on, that's when I like them the most. That's like Ben Simmons, you know, he came into yeah. the league, a number one draft pick. You saw the potential. He didn't play his rookie season, but, like, you know, he's out there when he finally was a rookie, uh, just dominating with size and speed. He's got great passing ability. But then second season comes, and he's still not taking any jump shots, and everybody's like, is this guy ever going to get really better? And that's when I started liking him. I like it when guys (laughs) just don't fit into what people want them to be because it's like Ben Simmons has been getting better every single year, just not specifically at the one thing that sticks out the most. That's almost the opposite with Joel Embiid for me. He's a guy who I loved his rookie season. And then even though he is getting better, uh, you know, it feels like what he's doing contributes to winning a little bit less. So I kind of did flip on that one. I was kind of a little bit more Embiid, didn't really like Simmons. And now it's, it's certainly flipped hmm. for me. Um, but yeah, you know, as soon as people start getting piled on, that's when I want to stick up for the little guy. Yeah, you've done that before with uh, over the last couple of years with James Harden, for sure, too. Mm-hmm. I, I know, like, you've always sort of gone to bat for James Harden when people are like, oh, he does take free throws, oh, all he does is travel, uh, everybody hates his game, stuff like that. But you're always repping James. Oh, that's for sure. Uh, I'm still proud that, like, um, probably our second year doing the starters, I said, this guy's got one of the best handles in the league. He's one of the best passers in the league. It took another two years for people to catch up to that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, 100%, if I'm being honest, it's a lot of beard influence there. You know, like, I have oh. to stick up for James Harden a bit there. It just turned out nicely that he became an MVP caliber player. Beard bias. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of uh, like the emailer when it comes to Rashid Wallace. Not so much for his play, but because... You know, Rashid was a bad boy, and, and it was sort of niche to like Rashid Wallace, and now everybody just puts them on the, on their mantle of basketball players because Sheed is Sheed. But there was once upon a time where it wasn't cool to like Sheed. 
it was it was, it was you know it was sort of a niche market um but now uh, now everybody just loves Rashid Wallace so now it's like okay you know we all definitely appreciate and respect him even for his basketball sense uh or for his basketball play but uh yeah now it's like all right everybody loves him Chris Bosch is a bit like that though too I think I think uh you know when he went to Miami people went off him and they're like ah oh, man he's just ring chasing but then he you know he showed how good he was and I think at the end of his career everyone loved Chris Bosch really he's one of the most popular players I think because yeah. uh you know, he, he, he left Toronto, people in Toronto hated him, didn't like him going to join the villains in Miami, but then it was kind of like, yeah, Chris Bosch is cool, he's funny, he's goofy, you know, he knew his role in Miami too, you know, he didn't yeah, try to be I think too people, big. But... They didn't like him because they thought he was uncool. But yeah. then he was so uncool, he became cool. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> people start to fall in love with any really anyone in life, I think, but any especially players and celebrities. Like, when you're like, oh, they're just being themselves yeah. and they don't really care what anyone else thinks and that's when people are like oh okay I respect that I like yeah. that uh, yeah. I, I do agree I think that sort of happened with Bosch and that's why like a guy like Clay is beloved right it feels like yeah. Clay couldn't give a damn what you actually think of him and he's just gonna say and act the way he wants to <laughs> and not try and put any on any sort of show you know yeah <laughs> alright our next one here Ayo Lou Alcinder rules that's nice uh, there's talk that a picture of WWE star Bret Hart in double denim next to an alpine lake should be on Canadian currency. There's talk about this? I didn't know that, but okay. <laughs> At the very least, it would make a great stamp. Mm. If the NBA were issuing stamps, what moment or image would you want to commemorate? Some good recent moments would be Giannis's dunk over Tim Hardaway Jr., or Joel Embiid and Kawhi Leonard watching the bounce on the shot. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. That question from Nick in Collingwood. What do you think, Tass? Now, the photo of Bret Hart by the lake with wraparound sunglasses around his face. A pretty amazing photo. <laughs> uh, he, he did, Nick in Collingwood, a Canadian, uh, did attach that to the email. Okay. Amazing. It, it's, 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 it's a scenic photo. It could just be a stamp. <laughs> In and of itself, without Bret Hart standing there, oh. uh, arms crossed, wraparound sunglasses. It's it's a pretty photo. Um, I, I don't think this is actually true. There's no possible way that that's actually true. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, when we think about basketball moments on stamps, you definitely think on-court moments, but I took it off the court. I think yeah. I'm going to put Bill Russell leaning against his hands with 11 rings up all across his fingers, mm. um, staring at you with a glowing smile. Uh, because I think Bill Russell needs to be highlighted a little bit more in NBA lore. He, he doesn't, although you know we all love him and appreciate him for what he's done. I think he needs to get a little bit more love. And I'm I'm concerned with, although I I do think uh, stamps and photos of stamps have advanced. Technology is great. I'm worried <laughs> about a wide shot. Let's say it's. Allen Iverson stepping over Tron Lou. You know, maybe if you're zoomed out, it's not as big. But when you see Bill Russell's big grin and those big fingers and those big rings, you're not going to miss it. So I'm going with uh, Bill and those 11 rings. What about the uh, what about a stamp of Bill Russell giving the finger? <laughs> I like your suggestion. That would People be would buy awesome those too. That would be a wicked stamp. Yeah. Well, it just shows up. You get a piece of mail and it's Bill Russell mm. giving you the finger. Okay, I like that one. I hear what you're saying too. Yeah, like about an actual on-the-court scene moment. 
you know, a stamp is small. Like, I guess you're going to be able to make it out that it is Iverson stepping over Lou, but it might be yeah. difficult. Uh, you can come see on, we got nice the improved stamp technology. Yeah, it can be I guess bigger. So. Think yeah, about so those you... Wilt Chamberlain stamps that came out a while ago. It was oh, just yeah. like a plain background of Wilt Chamberlain, but they were like, I don't know, two and a half inches tall. You could you could have a big old stamp. You just yeah, got to charge true. something crazy like 88 cents for it. Yeah. I don't know how much a stamp costs these days. I can't believe we're getting a question about stamps <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> Mm. Mm. People used to collect them. I don't know if they do that anymore. Yeah, do, they, they certainly them? did. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd throw a stamp in an email or something like that. To me, though, <laughs> if you're able to make out what's happening in the picture, Michael Jordan's last shot, Game Six, 1998. That's mm. a beautiful uh, landscape photo as well. You got to do a mailman stamp. Give me Carl Malone at the free throw line, and you should probably do a Kevin McHale stamp because the post was his office. <laughs> Interesting. I think uh, I think the Eagle, uh, LeBron block on Eagle Dollar would be a good stamp as well. I think that's the pretty sort of iconic moment of the of the uh, Cavs comeback against the Warriors. You know, he squats it up there, and uh, I liked how the Cleveland Cavaliers made a big picture out of that, a big photo frame out of that, and put it outside the visiting locker rooms mm. in Cleveland, so everyone would see it every time they're there. Um, but yeah, I think a couple other ones, you know, like you mentioned the Jordan one, I think that's pretty obvious. Even the skyhook from Kareem, the Dirk fadeaway, the sort of memorable little um, images we have of those players. You know, something Kobe as well, you know, like whether he's got the hands up or he's pulling over the uh, the chest, yep. the shirt over the chest, something like that, I think would be, uh, would be pretty memorable and people would know what it is straight away without necessarily having to think about what that moment is from. I want a, I want a stamp of uh, Swaggy P turning around when he thought his shot was dropping <laughs> and just arms out like it's going in, but you can see the ball bouncing out. That's a stamp I want to see. Is Give that some sort of P. metaphor for the uh, male, though, as well? You know, I like, think so. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely Yeah, think it so. should actually be one cent too cheap so that every time you send it to somebody, it gets returned to sender, sent right back to you. <laughs> That's a great idea. All right, good question, Nick. Next one. Dear No Dunkers, I've heard the Lakers are reportedly practicing on a court at a mansion in Bel Air that is similar to Staples Center. If you could have any court at your home, which would you choose? I think I'd go with the Forum. I'm a sucker for the organ and the lighting. Whoa, you get the music? Oh, yeah. What? I thought this was just a court. Yeah, I, let's let's just go court. I don't okay. think you can hire the entire uh, staff to help you out. Uh, turtle burp, lasagna eyes, Jossum. That's from Gordon in Downers Grove, <laughs> Illinois. Turtle, turtle burp. Uh, the turtles burp. Um, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm just going strictly the court. And it doesn't say I need to pick an NBA court. So I am picking my old gym uh, at Stratford Central High School. The basement, <laughs> the dungeon, we called it. We had two gyms. We had your normal gym, like most you know, high school basketball courts, whatever. It was fine. But then we had this little tiny gym down this ramp. Not too far from the main one. Much smaller, super old. Like, I mean, it was like, it basically was like a Hoosiers type gym. You know, the floor was a mess. There's dead spots everywhere that you would soon figure out and master so you could actually beat teams. You could like direct the uh, the pressure to put them in an area and the ball would just literally die. And then you could just pick it up and go the other way. Had the cool like sort of old track around the top. Um, you know, balls would always get thrown up there. So I'm... I'm taking that court. 
it's so dark and gross and dusty, but uh, you know, holds a special place in my heart. Mm, so sounds that, beautiful. That's you're not a, you, you would love it. Before it's in your house. You're not even gonna give it a once over, get the dust off. No, no, no. Dust keeping in. it exactly as it is. I don't even truthfully know if it's still there. Um, you have to make a call. Back um, when you were peeking, these are like your Al Bundy days. Oh, uh, these. Well, yeah, you know, my Al Bundy moment was in the big gym. That was my forty-point night. Uh, that's when. Because uh, <laughs> the the this tiny gym was for you know grade nine, so that's like your first year in high school, at least uh, where I was in Ontario. But you would practice a lot down there. It's just. Uh, it had that Hoosiers feel to it. It's just uh, super old school. So give also, me that. Also great that it's not a full-length gym, so you can get up and down a that's right easier. i remember luke van kooten he was the tallest guy on our team and he could take like i swear to god he it's like Giannis, right in this tiny gym like he took one step from half court and he was laying it up i mean i'm exaggerating a little bit but you're right taz it was uh very small i don't think there was even a three-point line i'm almost positive there wasn't because it was that small I think that's the first time we've heard that guy's name, isn't it? Luke Van Kooten? No, I think I told a story about him chugging a 26er once. Uh, that was definitely him, too. Yeah. He was, was, was Van Puke. We're going to do our July Puken. stories. Yeah, he was a classic. Uh, he was a, like, he didn't, a three-name man. He didn't love, he was a three-man name. He didn't love basketball, you know what I mean? I don't think, uh, but he was just a talented, athletic guy. Um, but... You know, cared a little bit more about chugging a 26er. Let's go over that bat. <laughs> what was his awesome nickname? Guy, though. He, he must have had a crazy nickname. I mean, his name is Luke Van Kooten. It's a pretty damn good name as it is. Uh, I don't think he had a nickname, Lee. Uh, yeah, we don't give everybody it. a nickname like you do in Australia. Cootie. Uh, Cootie. Cootie. <laughs> Coots. <laughs> what about you guys? What gyms? Uh, Trey, what gym are you taking? Uh, give me that Raptors court that had the 3D signs. That was messed up, man. <laughs> Remember they brought that out and everyone was like, wow, that looks insane. So now you can go like to sportslogos.net. You can look up all the old courts. Still the only one in the NBA to ever have, uh, you know, fake 3D signs. It would yeah. always be so strange when somebody would like kind of go for a layup and just kind of trickle over the baseline. You're like, no! Yeah. Oh, all right. It is still flat. It's fine. Why did that take off in other sports? Because that's like, they use that in other Definitely, you know, field yeah. sports, yeah. and you see those weird, like, yeah, I know what you're talking about, those And weird you'll see it apps. in a FIBA court for sure. Yeah. Um, you would have thought a, at least one more team would try it. Uh, totally. it, was, it. It seemed innovative for the NBA at the time, but, you know, the Raptors have since moved on, so hook it up. Mm-hmm. What about you guys, Trey? I mean, excuse me, Taz? Yeah, I'm going to go with that Raptors court with the 3D signs. That thing was messed up. Too much traffic control here on this damn thing. Uh, I definitely uh, I thought about that Raptors court, but having seen it in person so many times and how ugly it was in real life versus how it looked on television, <laughs> I couldn't go back to that. It just was too ugly um, sitting up there. And we had a good view up from our uh, our season seats in the nosebleeds. You could see both those dumb things on either side. It was so weird seeing it in person. Yeah, I, I probably should have thought of something non-NBA like you did, Skeets, because I went classic. I think I would enjoy playing on uh, the MSG's court. Um, Ooh, that's a good call. But then again, unlike the emailer here, unlike Gordon, uh, you don't get the surroundings of the MSG. I think that's important, that the ceiling, you know, that mm-hmm. white sort of ceiling, and that, that part would be important to have MSG. But I'll take it. I'll take MSG and all the nostalgia around it. Lee? 
Yeah, I, I'm the same. I sort of just chose the Bulls court because it's one of the most iconic ones from the 90s in the finals, you know. It just looked cool. It looked intimidating. And, you know, the Bulls out there in their uniforms, it just sort of had some sort of appeal, you know, like, because I was thinking as well, just like which NBA court, there's been some great throwbacks, you know, the Heat one and stuff and the Raptors throwback and the Grizzlies. But I think it's the Bulls one is still one that sort of sticks out as just it's uh, it's held up over time. And maybe just because we watched the last dance as well, I was like, yeah, that is a cool court to play on. That would be tough for uh, opposing teams to win on. I saw... Um... I guess it was the other day. I just saw a clip, probably on Twitter, of like highlights from the 2009 NBA Finals, uh, yeah. Lakers Magic, and I, I guess I almost had forgotten that they would slap on the gigantic oh, Larry O'Brien uh, trophy underneath the actual team's logo yeah. uh, for the finals. I was like, damn, this looks cool. Like that one is gigantic. Yeah. in that series, the 09 series, it was like it takes up the whole floor, the whole width yeah. of the floor, the big old lob. But I, that's. I still like it. I wish they always did that still. After watching the uh, live horse competitions where we saw guys' personal courts and Chauncey yep. Billups and, and his court, um, I would definitely build my own, you know? it would because <laughs> Get like Money Mellis on the baseline? <laughs> yeah, I'd get something super lame <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah, like an MA dollar sign E, I'd get a TA dollar sign. Uh, yeah, it'd be super lame, super lame. But I don't know, it... it and it's your court. Like, uh, looking at Chauncey's court in, in Colorado that he plays on, that's badass. You're hitting your own shots on your court. Uh, I, try, I, probably, yeah. I probably would do that. I'm actually surprised, Trey, that you didn't, um, you know, go with the no dunks court that you've created in uh, <laughs> a previous NBA 2K. Yeah, bring it from the virtual world to my real yeah. world. I would love to. Uh, you know, I just got to talk to some guys about the licensing to see if we can actually use it uh, in a different format. I don't know if we have the rights. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Next one here. Hey, no dunkers, longtime listener, fourth time emailer. I specify four times because I am 0 for 3 on my emails being read on the podcast. The three previous attempts, they felt like a lock. I had a short but interesting story followed by a banger of a question. And yet, even though I thought there was pure gold in them emails, nothing read on air. Anyway, my question is when was there a time? That you thought you were good at something only to find out you suck. <laughs> Loving the content. Much love. That's from Stefan, or is it Steven, in Southern California. When you got that name, guys, you got to let us know. Mm-hmm. The S-T-E-P-H-E-N. Because it could be either, right? Um, but you got the email read, Stefan slash Steven. And Trey, what do you got? What was something you thought you were good at, but you found out you just suck? Well, fourth time's a charm for Stefan or Steven. I'm hoping fourth time is a charm for me growing carrots this summer because it always seems like it's going good, you know? The greens are coming up. They're bountiful. And I'm thinking, it's time. It's time to pull these out. I harvest it. There's like a dozen carrots, and they're all as big as the pinky Mm. knuckle on my tiny, tiny toe. Hmm. You know, Mm. it's so frustrating to spend months watering, caring for these plants then you're like, this is awesome, man. I'm going to have a full meal of uncooked carrots that I grew myself. <laughs> you pull them out and they just look like trolls. It's, her- yeah. it's terrible. Um, apparently, though, you got to wait for them to shoulder to pop up and tell you it's time to pull these out of the ground. Huh. Um, 
I just learned that in a master class recently. Uh, something I didn't know, and hopefully it's true because it is so frustrating to spend hours, hours of your summer growing this food that you think is going to sustain you, and then you don't even get a snack out of it. Hmm. Yeah, I quit on carrots for that reason, Trey. They're just... Uh, <laughs> Gave up carrots, they, huh? Yeah, because they tease you for so long. You go, oh man, I am sprout, and you think, I think I'm good here. And you pop it out, <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, it's barely even started. Like, get out of here with those green leaves coming out. Like, don't pop so early. You know, that's yeah, so true. It's yeah, great for the shoulder. Keep your leaves to yourself. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, yeah, I'm done. I gave up on carrots a few years ago because I was like, you spend your whole summer to get this piddly little carrot that you can barely even use as one snack. Not worth it. Oh, <laughs> this is fascinating stuff because we had a giant garden when I was growing up in Stratford, and ca- carrots were bountiful. Oh yeah. yeah. Talk to my mom and dad what they were doing, but we always had them. We had millions of carrots. <laughs> we were swimming in carrots, man. So I don't know what they were doing. Maybe they just had the patience that you guys don't have. Yeah, maybe yeah. just got to Yeah, live. I think that's it. You know, you're just, it's so easy to jump the carrot gun. You think you got a root vegetable under there ready to chow down on something nice and sweet and crispy. And it's just not the same. They're hairy. Mm. For whatever uh. reason, my carrots are hairy. Don't like a hairy carrot. <laughs> hairy hairy carrot. I'm, I'm at the same point right now with my garlic because the leaves have started to die off, which apparently means they're pretty close to being ready, but I'm leaving them in the dirt. I'm Leave like, them, I'm, man. Yeah. I'm staying. Your garlic, you're staying. You're staying until the end of the summer, and then I'll pop it out. All right. Well, I know my mom listens especially to the Beach Steppin' podcast. So I know she's she's listening right now. I'm sure we'll get a text here about carrots, uh, you know, in less than 24 hours, and, and I'll pass it on to everybody out there. Um, my answer for this is, uh, you know, I think when it comes to, like, most sports, I feel pretty confident I can pick them up quickly. You know, like, I can see it. I've got good hand-eye coordination, decent balance. I f- it just, like, it sort of comes naturally a lot of sports, but... So I thought, seeing curling, that I would be like, oh, okay, curling, I can do that too. And the one time or two times I guess I've done it, I stunk. I sucked. I could not get the damn rock, the right balance to, you know, eventually end up in the uh, target. I don't even know what the hell it's called. but uh, In the house. Oh, in the house. Thank you. I was, I was horrible at it. Um, and I just could never find it. Maybe more practice I'd get there, but maybe not. Maybe I'm just garbage. Um, at curling and I thought I would be like other sports I thought I'd be decent I was like okay yeah I could do this nope brutal you're not fat yeah. enough maybe <laughs> I don't know I you think it's honestly uh, most of the ice sports man you know I'm a brutal I'm not great on, on skates um, curling what else is there I ain't figure skating hmm. um, had to call in cocktail ice yeah exactly so <laughs> it's tough. Maybe, it's, maybe I was just not born to uh, be on the ice. <laughs> but, or maybe it's just I'm not fat enough. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. The, the, the one time I went curling, I've talked about it before, but you spend so much time learning the throw. The throw is hard enough, but I wish I could have even mastered, like, the cool slide people yeah. do just when they go from, you know, one end of the ice to the other. They're just gliding on that one foot. It looks so smooth. Even that's impossible to figure out, I thought. It's very, yeah. very difficult. It looks like an easy sport. It's mm-hmm. not at all. You're no Luke Van Kooten. I guy could slide <laughs> one step. Yeah, that's get, right. One end to the other. The, uh, the hack to the house in, a, in one quick glide. <laughs> While chugging a Tito's. <laughs> uh, what about you, Tass? Is there something you thought you were good at and you found out? Uh, no? Well, speaking of being fat, I think I'm in that realm. Uh, I, because recently I got back out on the, uh, the running trail, the r- running, and I'm just slow. I just I thought that I'd pick up. You know, I was slow before, but... Uh, I'm still slow. I just I thought it'd be, you know, I didn't think really think it was like 
I don't know, weightlifting or weight training or something where you're like, oh, I'm weak because I haven't done it in a long time. I just mm-hmm. thought I'd be able to pick up my slow speed once again, but uh-uh, it's increased. And I'll get uh, there. I'll get there. Yeah, you'll but, get uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> that, I didn't know. I didn't know skeets. Yeah, that can be a that that is actually a thing for a lot of like newbie runners. It is like you start and like you start really slow, and then if you you know continue with it and you're practicing and you're continuing to run, like you do like have these sort of pretty amazing gains pretty early on, right? You know, like where you're 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 a lot faster than you were right at the beginning, but then you will generally hit like this sort of like wall in terms of like then increasing that mm-hmm. you know like to go to the next level um it's really common i know our buddy uh stefan actually um and that's how you pronounce it uh in new york <laughs> he had that because he was like he started and then he was like he was really crushing it like getting really faster and faster because i was seeing him like sharing his times and stuff and then he sort of hit like that weird little wall and was getting frustrated but i think that's like most things in life right um you plateau you'll overcome sure. you'll overcome um one of the benefits of this uh, this bad time where everybody is at home, schools are closed. The tracks are wide open. You can go hit huh. those tracks. No, <laughs> nobody's on there unless you're uh, a loser like me out there. But you're running by yourself generally, so that's nice. Because oh, I nice. I never wanted to go to a school or uh, college beforehand and run into people who are ten to three thousand times faster than me. But are you uh, somewhat close to one then? Like, are you running to the track or do you drive to the track? <laughs> no way. Yeah, no, I I drive. I drive. Oh, okay, cool. Well, that's, that's smart. That's, that's fun. Nice. Getting that's better on your... Well, it depends what the track is like, but I'm sure it's a, somewhat of a nice track. It's probably better mm. on your knees and your feet and stuff like that. Oh, that's true. It and is then, springy. Then in the pavement. Yeah. Lee, Lee, what do you got, man? Yeah, along the sporting realm, it's beach volleyball. Um, done it a couple of times and just never found it like... I, I'm a bit the same as you, Skids. I sort of thought, oh, I'll probably be okay at this, but... <laughs> No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't enjoy it either. I really didn't enjoy oh, it. Really, I love no. No, I thought it would because it's great. It was down at the beaches in Toronto there as well. You know, they yeah. got all the uh, all the nets set up there, and I thought, oh yeah, this would be fun. I went down with my mate Benny. We started playing. I was like, I'm not good, and I don't like this at all. <laughs> I just I just found it hard to sort of run in the sand, even though it's not like the big, deep, thick sand. Yeah, it's like uh, I'm just like, man, I eh, don't it's enjoy. It's difficult this. to move around. I mean, yeah, that's a yeah. Part of- I love everything else about the beach, you know? Give me some beach cricket, great. But volleyball, and that's probably why I don't think volleyball, beach volleyball should be an Olympic sport either. I'm like... Because you're not good at it? Because I'm not good at it. it. (laughs) Cancel it. (laughs) But I'm like, nah, this is is just a recreational activity with friends. It's not an Olympic sport. Couldn't disagree more on that. (laughs) Were you playing twos, mate? No, we weren't. No, I think there was like, like uh, sixes or sixes. Fives. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was yeah, sixes. Twos is impossible. That yeah. I can see why you would be very frustrated. Because for me, if I were playing twos, it'd be like oh. one serve, a hit, somebody. It's like, okay, there's a point. Serve it again. Yeah. There's another yeah. point. Yeah, there's just so much open sand to somebody to hit the oh, ball yeah. to. And if you're not good, yeah, there's yeah. no way you're covering that ground for sure. Have you guys seen what they play in Brazil, the foot volley? Yeah, that's cool. Oh, my God, that is tough. There like, were um, there were people just down just down the road from my place uh, playing in the park um, just on grass, but right. they were yeah they were playing volleyball with their feet. It's amazing, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty pretty cool yeah. looking. Uh, JD, you got an answer for this? Uh, yeah, mine's to do with uh, being fat and working out as well. It's working out. Uh, I do uh, small group fitness, and uh, you know I'll think I'm doing great, and occasionally uh, the trainer will. There's like eight or ten of us. Yeah. And uh, occasionally she'll take out her iPhone and like, do, you know, quick 
quick Instagram stories, like working hard on a Saturday and she'll, she'll zoom across the room. And I think oh, this, this is great because I'm going to be on camera and I'm killing these ropes, you know? And, uh, and then I see the video and it's like, who's that feeble old fat guy in the corner there <laughs> trying, like he can't even lift the ropes, but in my mind I'm killing it. So. Killing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's working out for me. I suck at it, but I, uh-huh. I try to do it. Get well, out that, a video of you on the skateboard, JD. Mm, That's when you're absolutely killing yeah, it right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to start, you know, sliding, you know, like getting some actual, <laughs> get, bombing some hills, as the kids say. Whoa, <laughs> man. Uh, hello, fellow cool kids. That's exactly um, <laughs> Well, don't worry, JD, because it goes for everybody. I think we've talked about this before. Like, Trey will sometimes record us at our, uh, you know, Wednesday basketball runs <laughs> or whatever, and like... You think you're killing it. You think you're fast. You think you're slick with it. And then you watch any sort of footage of yourself, especially at our age, playing ball. And it's like, oh, my God, look how slow that is. It's brutal. Like, you think you're fine. You think you're actually good. And, like, you're not You're not that good, man. All of us. I mean, I'm saying myself included. Oh, it's, it's rough. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better. Next one here. I was just listening to the episode where Lee was talking about milking a goat on a farm in Alabama. I almost did a spit take when Lee called the goat he'd been milking a he. Lee, it seems very <laughs> unlikely to me that a goat you were milking was a he. If it somehow was a male goat, well then, let me break it to you. What you're doing isn't called milking. My question, when was a time you notably misidentified an animal? Greetings from Melbourne. That's from Anthony. <laughs> Is one of the weirder emails we've ever gotten. And especially the question. I love this question. I asked Nora this, Nora this this morning. She's like, that's a question you got? When was the time you notably misidentified an animal? What? I mean, uh, I don't... Uh, Come on, Skis. Oh. Just in the course of your life, when have you totally, notably misidentified an animal? Oh, man. Well, okay. Here's what I'll go with for my story to this. Um... Uh, you know, being in the new house, we've got a nice backyard, bunch of big trees, and over the last uh, couple of months, we started noticing there was a bunch of poop at the bottom of a tree, all right? I knew it wasn't my poop. I asked Nora if it was hers. It wasn't. <laughs> and, you know, we're, like, trying to figure out, like, what animal? Because it would almost happen every day. Like, I'd go, I'd clean it up, and then the next day, it would be there again. And we were like, what type of animal is this? So we never saw the animal, so I couldn't notably misidentify it. But we were like, is it a raccoon? Is it a possum? Um, you know, what else could it be? And so we have just been still struggling to figure it out. But I'll add this to the story. This is a recent development. <laughs> I saw going for a run the other day, a dead possum in the middle of the road, just down the road. The poop has stopped. Mm. So mm. I'm wondering if it was that guy. And, uh, you know, from... Guy the, or girl? Uh, yes, right. <laughs> I didn't milk the possum, so I'm not 100% sure. But... Uh, I did, we did like a little bit of research and like they were saying raccoons and I guess maybe possums are the same where they will, they like, like to have a bathroom basically. Like they'll defecate in a spot and then they like to come back to that exact spot. Um, so it was probably, uh, it probably was a possum and maybe it was this one because guys, it stopped. Or maybe Nora just stopped taking a poo at the tree. I don't know. <laughs> He's on to me. Uh, yeah. Man. So 
That's uh, that's my story for notably misidentifying Hitler. I mean, it's a horrible answer, but this is a crazy question to me. I don't know. Maybe somebody's got something better. I'm I'm more just thinking the emailer before Stefan complaining that he sent in four banging questions and couldn't get one answer, or he finally did, and this guy's asking about, <laughs> hey, when did you misidentify an animal? And he gets answered straight away. It's crazy. Well, it's really because he's telling you that you were uh, jerking off a goat. Like, yeah. So, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's hard. It's hard. I mean, some people can just look at animals and tell which sex they are, but I I can't straight away. I mean, you know, you have to examine usually. <laughs> some right. people have that I mean, gift. Some dogs right? can tell. Some dogs you can tell right away. Yeah. I mean, like my fish shoes and socks. I have no idea if they were males or females. I right. No idea. I never investigated, but. Ever tried milking them? No, no, they weren't around long enough. Okay. Anyone else have a crazy story to share? Yeah, the first cat we ever had when I was a kid, we named her Curly Sue. There was a movie out at that time called Curly Sue. My sister got to name this cat. Um, and she was Curly Sue for a couple of weeks until she popped a red rocket. Let out that Matt Bonner and we had to rename the cat. And became Figaro after that. Curly Sue didn't quite suit him anymore uh so yeah um, i had exactly the same scenario lee did when he was milking the goat yeah. we thought that our cat was a girl turned out was a boy wow <laughs> great stuff see that's why we asked the tough questions here mm. yeah, uh, I, i've i've never been able to identify uh male or female never and i and once i knew whether a, a pet was male or female I would just stick with what I thought it was. Yeah. Um, maybe yeah. I'm being unsympathetic to the, uh, the, the owners of that animal, but I just, I just never was a pet person growing up. I grew up in a Greek family where dogs uh, were meant to be strays and could never enter a home. Uh, so um, I have no idea. I've, was there a notable time I misidentified an animal? Like every day, a cow is a bull, a bull is a cow. I don't know. They're all, this, they're all the same to me. To this day, I've known you how long now? Trey, uh, what are we at? Like, whatever, 15 years sure. plus? I still... I'm still not 100% sure whether Yams is a male or a female, <laughs> which is insane, because I catch myself all the time going back and forth. Honestly, let's keep it a mystery. Uh, it's yeah. one of my favorite things, is people misidentifying whether or not Yams is a boy or a girl, because I do not care at all. Some people will get mad. They're like, oh, excuse me, yeah. she... I'll be like... Still a dog, you know, yeah. still a dog. Yeah. Still going to give you some pets, going to give you some licks, no matter what you call her. Oh, wait, spoiler alert. Whoops. She. Whoops. Uh, okay, good. That's what I thought. That was the latest one I thought. Uh, Lee, do you know the difference between a possum and an opossum? No. Okay, good. That's... One poops at your house and the other doesn't. <laughs> no. I bring this up because it came up at the dinner table last night. You spell possum with an O on the front of it. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> so there is no difference there's no difference it's oh, the same okay. thing yeah uh, but it's possum is spelled O-P-O-S-S-U-M technically huh. did you know that Lee? no I didn't right? no yeah, we're learning things here <laughs> this is why we ask these questions yeah? I probably I learned that I think when we came to the south I mean I've mm, seen yeah. possum but definitely because there's so many freaking running around down here with their long tails yep they're, cre- they're a little creepy looking for sure. Super creepy. You know what's creepy looking is that my uh, my mother in law just got a batch of silkworms, and uh, <laughs> okay. those are creepy. Boys or girls? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, they they. I don't know what sex they are, but they defecate big time. They defecate probably like it's like it ends up being like forty percent of the size of their body, the size of the. Why did she the get defecation. them? 
just to have a pet. Yeah, mostly, mostly for my daughter to uh, to have a little pet. And so, what do you keep them in an aquarium? Is... Yeah, kind of. Thing. Okay, okay, but like a, a shoebox, basically. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> Go get some leaves from the yard. They eat, they poop, and they look weird. Are they like, so what do they look, are they look like a caterpillar or something? Like, yeah, like wor- they're like caterpillar. Worm yeah, caterpillar? They yeah. Okay. Yeah, and they uh, they weave their silk or whatever it's called. Oh. Whatever the uh, the term is. Well, I, I'm expecting a nice silk scarf from you. <laughs> <laughs> from Zoe. Well, All right. poop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or that. All right, we got a lot more questions here still to answer, but before we do, quick word from our sponsor. Like most of you out there, I've been missing hanging out with my friends during the COVID-19 quarantine. But luckily, about a month ago, we found a great online game to help us stay connected. It's called World Golf Tour, WGT. I've talked about it before. It's awesome. Once or twice a week, the guys and I, we jump on Zoom or FaceTime and we hit the links to play against each other. So much fun. And Nora absolutely hates it. But this is a very realistic golf game. So you got to keep your composure out there. You got to focus on that little swing meter. So important. Which is why I'm loving my Sunday Scaries CBD gummies. They help quiet the mind. Which means I'm out putting my buddy Grish left and right. Oh, baby, 15 feet, no problem. Read the break. These things work so well that I won a 12-man tournament the other weekend. Picked myself up a new set of irons with my winning. So thanks, Sunday Scaries. And it's no surprise that Sunday Scaries have become a leading CBD brand for millennials. Last year, Sunday Scary CBD gummies and CBD oil won top accolades from Forbes and Men's Health, Allure, and Best Products. Get 25% off your first order with the code NODUNKS, all one word, at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com and enter the code NODUNKS where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. Find out what product might work best for you. So go to sundayscaries.com and use the code NODUNKS and, uh, you know, then go hit WGT and find me. and We'll play each other. Okay, next one. Hello, no dinkerinos. We all know that Skeets likes a good rebound highlight, but what is your favorite steal highlight? Mine is from the Bulls breaking the Heat's 27-game win streak with under three minutes left. Chris Bosch gets an offensive rebound, and Kirk Heinrich comes up and he just rips the ball away from him. The way the crowd roared and the significance of that game makes this a memorable steal for me. But what are yours? That's from Raj. Looking for a steal highlight, Lee. Uh, I love this question because uh, I went down a a YouTube rabbit hole just looking for best steals because you don't often do that. Yep. And firstly, I'd like to say I'm separating this answer by separating a steal from an interception. You know, a steal is when someone dispossesses one player versus Mm -hmm. when an interception where like, like Larry Bird's interception of Isaiah Thomas in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's an interception. Okay, for this not a definition. steal as much. To not you. a steal. He steals the ball, but he intercepts it rather than like just takes it out of someone's hand. So I think I think the biggest and most impactful steal in NBA history was Jordan on Karl Malone in Game 6 of the 98 Finals yeah. because you know how ESPN has their like game tracker probability win score? Yep. I would say before that steal... Uh, not only were the Utah Jazz favored to win the game, but probably favored to win the championship. When you think about Game 7, the Bulls would have been tied. Scottie Pippen may or may not have even played. It was in Utah. So I think that's the biggest steal we've ever seen in the NBA. Um, 
But I think the uh, the biggest steal from the most unlikeliest guy that we remember is Smush Parker. Do you remember this one? No. On Steve Nash, game four of the uh, Western mm. Conference first round, Suns okay. and the Lakers, remember? Because what he does okay. is Steve Nash gets the ball passed, I think it's Boris Diaw passes it to him, and Smush is the one who sort of dispossesses Steve Nash, and then he saves it. The ball's going out of bounds. It would have yes. been Phoenix ball, but he taps it to Devin George, who passes to Kobe, who hits the layup, yep. sends the game into overtime, and then we get the, the Kobe game winner. So um, I think that's that's pretty much one of the uh, most memorable steals. But for the, I think... I think we actually have right now in the NBA the best actual theft thief we've ever had in Kawhi Leonard because yeah. on YouTube there are so many compilations of him stealing the ball off people and it's it's incredibly fun. There's the one he steals it twice in a row off Ben McLemore and yeah. goes down and scores. But Ben McLemore, the face he puts on is incredible because he has the ball and Kawhi just says, "No, it's mine now," and he runs down there and scores. And then he does another one on Chris Paul where he um. He, uh, like, Chris Paul's got the ball, you know, one of the greatest ball handlers of the last 20 years. And Kawhi just sort of, like, reaches his hand in the slow-mo replay is incredible. It's like his arm just extends like the guy in Terminator 2, you know, and just sort of, like, pokes it away and he gets the ball back. But also, another one from Kawhi, I don't know if you remember, Game 7 of the um, uh, uh, series against the Sixers last year. And Joel Embiid has the ball. And Kawhi Leonard just comes over and just like grabs it out of his hand yeah. and goes down the other end and dunks it. And, and I remember that one at the time because I tweeted it saying it was like the Seinfeld episode where Jerry steals the marble rye off the old lady and says, <laughs> shut up, you old bag. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think Kawhi Leonard might be, you know, the best actual, uh, you know, ball stealer in, in NBA history because um, I don't remember, I mean, you know, Jordan and Pippen, great defenders, but... I don't remember someone having as many actual live ball steals yeah. as Kawhi has. Yeah, yeah, that's why Kawhi was definitely my answer as well. For one, where people didn't know if he actually meant to do it. If you remember, he was sort of playing like defensive back and he yep. kind of got turned around. This was his first week as a member of the Toronto Raptors. Last year, he's playing against the Timberwolves and he kind of gets backdoored by Jimmy Butler, but he just turns around. He's got his back to the ball. And he sticks out those big hands and he sucks it up and he falls to the ground. He can't, it's a no look steal. He can't even yep. see the ball. But of course he meant to do it because he's Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> uh, but people were like, I don't know. He just kind of put his hand out. But no, he just played the passing lane perfectly. And it wasn't, he got backdoored and it wasn't a, a chess pass through the air. It was a bounce pass that he perfectly timed uh, from, it was Gorgie Jang who dropped the dime. Um, and uh, a beautiful, beautiful stuff. Kawhi is the best the no look steal Trey is there anything else to add to this well I think that Lee's going to disqualify my answer since it's technically an interception but I love the genre of play where an offensive player scores a basket immediately steals the inbounds pass and then scores the very next basket the like the pinnacle of it for me Rudy Fernandez of all people I think this is in the 09 season like he hits a basket underneath the hoop he runs back down the court there's like a second left the Suns try and inbound the ball it's like I don't know like a 20 foot pass kind of goes right to the right wing he hops right in front catches it it's basically a perfect pass setting him up for a buzzer beating three he drains it scores five points in three seconds it's like the ultimate back-to-back jacks and it just happens so rarely and so fast uh, that it always sticks out to me, despite the fact it is, like you're saying, Lee, an interception. Still a steal, <laughs> well, technically. Yeah, I mean, the Kawhi one is technically an interception, too, on that on that play. 
you know, because yeah. he dives backwards. But but yeah, I mean, we call them all steals, and, and they're all great. I know um, Pablo Prigioni did that a couple of times too, Trey. Oh yeah, stealing you know, the inbounds is awesome. Yeah, because the old man, you think he's just going to run back, but instead he just sort of stays there and, uh, and and sneaks back in and gets the extra possession. Here's a question. When Mo Pete hit that crazy shot against the Wizards, <laughs> was that a steal? Was that technically a steal? Like Michael Ruffin, I think it is, right? Just yeah. chucks the ball in the air. I'd love to check the box score on that. Like, did that count oh, yeah. as a steal? I mean, yeah. it's not a shot. No. He's a rebound, yeah. Yeah, he's like just, you know, Michael Ruffin's just trying to chuck it up in the air to kill yeah. time, but it slips a little bit. It's not thrown high enough. And then, you know what happens? Mo Pete hits that yeah. crazy Hail Mary three-pointer. I wonder. I'll have to, I'll have to check the box score on that one. That one's Michael. memorable. If it counts as a steal, that one is very, very memorable for me. Michael Ruffin just needed five mo feet, and maybe it wouldn't have been a buzzer, buzzer beater. That's, is that Michael Ruffin's most infamous moment? It has to be. <laughs> so to be. sad. Uh, he could have been Brad Lowhouse. Uh, next one. Hey, No Dunks crew. I worked the last two seasons at Scotiabank Arena. ACC, as I still call it, but don't tell my bosses. And had the opportunity to be at most Raptors games and all the playoff games. Even though I mostly watched the action on TV screens around the arena, the atmosphere in there was electric. During the Kawhi shot, I did not sneak in to see it live and instead watched it on the smallest TV near an exit so I could run for the subway home before getting trampled by angry fans if the Raptors lost. There was a delay on the TVs, so while the ball was still bouncing on the rim, once, twice, I heard the crowd erupt. I quickly ran inside the arena from the concourse to celebrate. My question... When was the time you had a stressful few hours and you didn't think the result would turn out as exceptional as it did? That's from Shakir Tayabi. Thank you so much for that email, Shakir. It's a, it's a good one. Uh, I, along with my wife, Danielle, decided during this pandemic, during this time where we're home and we're on top of each other at all times, we decided to do an Ikea build yesterday because oh we're dumb oh i did boy. not think it would turn out well <laughs> but uh, i think uh these were great products to pick from ikea not a lot of steps i had no idea going in that was the case but it turned out all right we're still together what, the what'd you build is in the recycling box what was that what'd you build table and chairs mm, okay did a nice little cozy cozy little breakfast table so we, be, so we can be even closer during the pandemic. <laughs> uh, and uh, it worked out. It worked out all right. I'm still surprised. But all done in one day. No lingering effects. Uh, children running around. We s- sort of still love each other. All good. Was there any good, like, testy moments, though? You know, like, all, all, uh, the all, all the time. <laughs> I can picture it now because I've oh, been there. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So uh, that went we, stressful, but it worked out. What about you, Lee? Why do we do that to ourselves, though? We all know that the IKEA, it's just, it's not a good marriage builder. It's the only, it can only go against you, really, because you start off thinking, oh, this beautiful on the package of, you know, whatever it is you're building, oh, it's going to look perfect. Halfway through, you're like, Oh my God, just throw this thing in the trash. I don't want to see it anymore. <laughs> my favorite IKEA thing is to build the entire cabinet or whatever it is and then realize that you put a single piece of wood upside down so you have oh. to take apart the whole thing and rebuild it. Oh, because man. they don't, you know, all of the instructions are just drawings. So yep. they're not explaining which side you need the finished wood to be facing. Mm-hmm. They got to get a little bit more explicit with that, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we did a good job in that we sort of separated duties. You build... I'm going to turn my back and I'm going to do something else over here. I'm going to de-box. I'm going to throw everything out in the recycling bin. So we, we separated as much as we possibly could and tried not to 
to follow the instructions where it said two people have to do this. We're going to go one and we're going to keep as much separation even though we're together as possible. Yeah, that's that's the trick or the key for me. It's like, yeah, you sometimes you do sometimes need like a second person to like stabilize something or like so there's not too much pressure on a joint like hold that up. But you know, I only like I go to the bullpen, right? Like I'll do it. I'll take care of everything here. I'll curse this thing up and down and then I'll call in order to help with like that one part where you're like, okay, just hold that. And even that can be testy because by this point I'm sweating. I'm done. I'm done with this thing, you know, but at least, yeah, it's not the whole, the entire time. That's smart task. Like you sort of just do your own thing. And then when we need sort of help each other out, we'll just do that, get through that and then move on. Yeah. Oh, but then you just hear a, a tool drop. I don't need to hear that. Please. Can you stop that over and over and over again? Stop that. <laughs> oh, God. Ah, building furniture. Always fun. What uh, What about you, uh, Lily? What do you got for this? So, uh, JD, you might need to queue up the cricket music for this one because oh, it was boy. the 1999 Cricket World Cup semi-final, Australia versus South Africa, and Australia batted first, and we didn't make a big, big enough score. And it looked like South Africa was going to come back and just win this game. They were batting really, really, really well. And then Warnie struck. Warney came on, took three wickets in pretty quick succession and turned the game around. But South Africa then fought back as well. And then it it became this most crazy, crazy game. And it came down to the last ball of the game, basically, where South Africa, the scores were tied. And South Africa just needed one run and they were into into the final. And, so, and they had their biggest hitter at the crease too. This guy, Lance Klusner, Zulu they call him. He was just belting everyone around this whole World Cup. He was on fire, right? And so what happened was on one ball, he hit it and he almost ran. But Australia's fielders were riding close and so they couldn't run. But his guy at the other end, Alan Donald, a bowler, he ran and he moved out of his crease. And it was like Australia threw at the wickets. And if he'd hit the wickets, he, he would have been out. But he went back and then you see Alan Donald like do this big sigh of relief. He looks up to the guards as if like, wow, how close was that? On the very next ball, Zulu hits it again and he just takes off. And Alan Donald, because of what happened in the last ball, he sort of doesn't run. And so Zulu runs down and Alan Donald is stuck. And Australia run out Alan Donald. And we go on to, like, even though the game is technically a tie, because we finished higher in the group stages in South Africa, we go through to the final and go on to win the final. It was just the most incredible moment in cricket history. Unbelievable stuff. And and I was there watching with my friend and we were just like, that, that last hour or so was so stressful because, like, Australia's on top. No, South Africa's on top. Here comes Zulu. He came out. He started belting the ball all over the place. And uh, and it was incredible. But then Australia went on to win. And then they beat uh, Pakistan in the final. So it was incredible, man. You're gonna. I'll, I'll send you guys a link to this. You want to watch it, man. It's unbelievable Please stuff. do. Please do. <laughs> I just built an entire Malm dresser set. <laughs> you told that story. Um, <laughs> okay, wow. Uh, Trey, got anything to follow up with that? Yeah, a couple of nights ago, I spent an hour and a half making a sandwich. <laughs> wow. It was good when it, at the end. Uh, but an hour and a half is a long time to be making a veggie sandwich, you know? It's mostly the caramelizing onions that takes a long time. You cut out a humongous thing of onions. It takes you 45 minutes of stirring slowly, 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 and then you both get one tablespoon of caramelized onions, but it makes all the difference. You got to so do it. Yeah. You're also working, uh, it's been taking you five months to make your carrot sandwich. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Been waiting for those to shoulder up so I can saute them and throw them on my sandwich. It's going to take a half a year. JD, you got an answer for this? Uh, yeah, it was always stressful when we were at uh, Media Day and we uh, 
uh, we would ask our stupid questions like, what would your perfume be called or what would your superpower be? Right. And we walk in, we have nothing. We don't know if it's going to be a success. Uh, and it always worked out fine. But, uh, you know, ev- and every time we did it over the years, each year, we got increasingly more angry about it, just <laughs> being there and doing it. And uh, we we kind of hated the bit by the by the time we finished it. But uh, yeah. but you know what? It always ended up being something we could use and usually pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, that that was always stressful, but it always worked out. Oh, yeah. Those media days, too, just became more and more crowded. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just more and more people. Just And they the, they got higher and higher on their pedestals, the <laughs> players, because they were further and further away from the media. That became a chore. I like... It felt like we were going to war when yeah. we would do those those shoots. Like yeah. we would like we'd have to psych each other up. Like here we go, we're going in there. Are you ready? <laughs> Everybody's like putting on war paint. Like here we go, let's go. Ah, we're gonna try to hype each other up because <laughs> no one really wanted to do it by the end of it. Uh, the first couple of years, it was actually kind of fun and exciting totally, because totally. we were the only ones really doing that kind of thing. But now it's like everybody, everybody stole oh. our bit. That's <laughs> right. right. All right, next question here. What's up, no danks? Since your interview with Survivor contestant Wendell Holland, I started to watch the show. In less than six months, I have watched 20 years and 40 seasons worth of Survivor. Wow. Which is easily my craziest binge-watching streak ever. My God, I would hope so. I would love to know, what would you consider to be your wildest binge-watching obsession? Much love from Miami. That's from Darius who somehow went through 40 seasons of Survivor in less than six months, which is mind-boggling. That's a lot Unbelievable. Of yeah, that's a ton. But, Trey, what do you got? Uh, the only thing similar for me, when we moved to Toronto, a bunch of friends are were really into the UFC, and I'd never really followed it uh, prior to moving up there. But we watched one fight, and I was like, this is great. I, I really enjoy it, so I'm going to learn a little bit about it. I went on on probably the Pirate Bay, found some torrent of the top 100 UFC fights, and watched 100 UFC fights in like two and a half weeks. It's an incredible education, but I mean, even some of the 100 best YouTube or UFC fights are a slog. And like some of the guys who are so like well-respected in the UFC are wrestlers like Matt Sarah, Matt Hughes, Randy Couture, and I'm like... These are the most boring <laughs> fights ever. I understand it's legendary, yeah. but it's just one guy grinding his shoulder into another guy's face for 30 minutes. Come on, bud. <laughs> Kick him in the head already. Wow. Oh, that's a, that that's a lot a of fights, man. That's a that's lot, a of, lot fights. of fights. Yeah, I don't think I could do that. Tass, what about yourself? I, 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 I have nothing. I have nothing. I, I came came to this question with absolutely nothing i have nothing binge worthy no no moments no, no. and I, I have seen that before I have i have been tantalized by that top 100 fights in <laughs> ufc history but i can't do it i can't do it i would get through one and i'd say oh where, where's a gracie brother when you need him i, I can't, can't do it <laughs> i i have a couple of answers um one was inspired by jd i believe a few years ago now this is a while ago but uh battlestar galactica oh yeah um, I think uh, that was a strong recommendation from you. I remember you and Rachel and uh, Nora and I, you know, we binge watched a, a whole lot of it. Though then we hit a point where we stopped. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, it was like, I don't know, this got weird. <laughs> where is this going? Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I remember the first couple of seasons, we were, we were ripping through them. Uh, and more recently, we uh, did a number on the three seasons of Ozark. 
because I remember we started watching it way back when it first came out and like we watched a couple episodes and then it's just one of those shows we just sort of like forgot about or things got busy in life and we just left it but then you know you just see the hype everyone's like oh such a great show such a great show such a great show and we like we're like all right we're starting over and we fired through those three seasons and that was good and then recently or more recently even uh alone all in on alone talked to shay serrano a little bit about it on uh, yesterday's podcast flew through season six on netflix and now we've gone back and started with season one which we just ended last night and matty o's he's all into it too i keep getting texts Matty O uh, alone updates. Um, <laughs> we almost should just start a podcast because Matt, every text he sends is hilarious about watching alone. So uh, I assume he's just in it for answers. the gear because he texted me not too long ago. He's like, you're not going to believe this. I actually used my compass for orienteering the other day. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, yeah. Uh, I don't know. He loves it, he says. Or he finds it funny, too. He <laughs> there are a lot of funny moments, actually, in a very dark sort of series like Alone, where people are like really finding themselves out in the woods. But uh, there are some uh, some pretty funny characters and funny moments. So those are my three answers. Yeah, Lady, my favorite kind of character on Alone is Guy who says, you can get sick if you eat this, but I'm sure I'll be fine, and then is sick in the very next scene. That's oh, my totally. favorite, <laughs> favorite kind of character, easily. <laughs> Lee, you don't really binge watch a lot either, do you? No, but uh, the two series of Cobra Kai, I've binged through those two. Um, yeah, they, they were great because on YouTube, it used to be on YouTube Red, but they've moved to Netflix now. But YouTube Red, like, it would give you that 30-day 30 uh, 30 free trial. And so the first time I signed up, I thought, all right, well, I've got 30 days to get through it. And I just, like, plowed through it in, like, two days. So then cancelled the subscription. And then it must have been, like, 12 months later... And I got offered another free trial for 30 days when Cobra Kai Season 2 came out. I was like, okay, great. So I rattled through that as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean... You and know. so now it's on Netflix. Yeah, now it's on Netflix. So I have Netflix. So uh, whenever it comes out, I mean, it's been delayed, obviously, due to the pandemic we're in right now. But, um, I mean, it's not good, but it's like, you know, nostalgic sort of. Okay. JD, you binge-watching anything? Uh it- it nonstop binge at our house. I mean, our, our, the kids are going through community right now. They're going through. Uh, we're watching alone. We're going through season one of Alone. Oh, but, nice. but for me, my most intense binge was Downton Abbey. Easily, mm. like I came into it late. I love that show. I, there were days where I would be up until four in the morning by myself watching Downton Abbey like just one do one more one more I just, what's gonna happen downstairs but what about the upstairs <laughs> <laughs> what about Matthew <laughs> cousin Matthew cousin Matthew <laughs> yeah I love that show and uh, Trey texted me uh, a couple weeks ago hey man Downton Abbey the movie it's on HBO and I'm like yeah I know I don't want it to end I haven't seen it yet I, I, I'm holding on I just don't want the thing to end so uh yeah, I'll watch yeah. it eventually. Yeah. I'm with you. We we binged Downton Abbey so fast. I can't believe how much I liked it. So I saw the movie, and like I told you, JD, I only watched half of it because I want to save that <laughs> that last hour <laughs> of the manor. You know, I got to see what's happening. I know. Can't I know. say goodbye to my friends yet. <sighs> what a show. What a show. All right, next email here. Hey, No Dunkers. I grew up in the UK with minimal exposure to basketball, but really got into the NBA at university with the first season I followed being 2013-14. Something that has stuck with me about those playoffs was the promo commercial, the Kesha Pitbull song, Timber, but with a verse about the playoffs and a hilarious addition of Pitbull adding playoffs at every opportunity in the chorus. More importantly, though, the commercial had LeBron. D-Wade, Paul George, and others all singing and dancing along. 
As I said, I was new to the NBA at the time, but I found it absolutely absurd that these professional athletes would be willing to dance around on TV to a Pitbull song like they're at some kiddie's school disco. I was hoping that it would be a hilarious regular playoff occurrence, but perhaps unsurprisingly, I haven't seen anything like it since. Which leads me to my question. What is something that you have been made to do for work that you really didn't want to do? That's from Will in Highbury, London. And he adds, I'm actually a regular frequenter of the pub, The Famous Cock, which JD spoke so highly of. (laughs) Great pub. Great pub. Love the cock. (laughs) Famous for a reason. (laughs) Uh, And obviously a very memorable playoff anthem. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. There aren't many. I mean, are there any that stick out to you guys other than... Pitbull, because we, because we watch so many games, they obviously get stuck in your brain. You'd think that there'd be a lot more memorable ones, but I, there's not really that. Other than playoffs, over and over again, that stick out in my brain, the Pitbull one. Yeah, yeah. There was a Kendrick Lamar one recently, but I can't even really remember what song it was. But I will. I could have sworn that the Pitbull one was two years ago. That's how recent and current it sounds to me. Yeah. yeah, I guess the only other one that compares it at all is, and I'm not—it's not really a playoff song. It was just used with the NBA. Is like, um, you know, round ball rock, basically, mm-hmm. um, that comes to mind. But yeah, no, that that was a that pitball one is that's a classic. That's a <laughs> classic. Well, actually, he he mentions the thirteen fourteen season, and, and that leads to my question or my answer about something I really didn't want to do for work when we got down to Atlanta and started working for NBA TV. We were obligated to go to uh, Las Vegas for two weeks uh, to watch Summer League. And uh, two weeks, it's very long in in the city of Las Vegas. It's very, very, very long. Uh, And a few years into our run at at NBA TV, had our first baby here with uh, my first baby with Danielle. And she was about a week old and we had to go to Vegas. And... uh, didn't feel really good about that. Uh, didn't really didn't want to go, uh, but uh, stuck it out. Stuck it out. It was only a one weeker, so baby was a week when I left, and she was two weeks when I came back. Not a lot had changed. Everything was cool. Everything was great. It was tough. It was tough, but uh, yeah, not, I'm not complaining like I'm Lee Ellis complaining about going to the NBA Finals. I am complaining slightly about going to summer league. It, it's true, but uh, Vegas. You know, it was a lot more palatable. After a few years, they decided, all right, you guys, you don't have to go for two weeks. Yeah. Just, just yeah. one. 11 shows was a lot mm. in, the, right. in I mean, the heat of July. This is also at the end of a super long yeah. NBA season where everybody's tired of each other. Everybody's tired of basically at that point somewhat watching the NBA. Like, yeah. it's Where it comes in the calendar didn't help it at all either. But you're, you're also right. Nobody should be in Vegas for more than five days. Like, really, it should be three days and get the hell out. But, yeah, like, we were there at times. At the beginning, what was it? Like, 13? It was like 13 days. Yeah, when you 13, the travel days, days and stuff like yeah. that. We were, we were the only people, the only people, even the people who worked there, I don't think they worked for two weeks. Yeah, those, those, that was a lot. I don't think Warren Legary was there for two weeks. Ah, <laughs> come on, Vegas. Warren, Warren didn't miss a day out there. Yeah. Yeah, it became a lot. Yeah, a lot easier when it was just a week. It actually yeah. almost became enjoyable at that point because you're like, okay, one week, one week in Vegas, yeah, bamboo boys, yeah, we'll do some live shows, sure. it'll be fun. Yeah, we'll take a half court shot, nobody will hit it. <laughs> uh, what about uh, anybody else? Is there another um, you know starters work related one that has an answer? 
2017, they sent me to the NBA draft to work the red carpet and appear on the show. Very cool. But another thing they wanted me to do was a Facebook feed where I had to ride from a hotel to the draft on a bus with all of the guys who were going to be drafted in the first round. And I think I had a cameraman, and I was supposed to walk down the aisle and sit next to these guys who, I mean, like, I'm tall. I'm 6'5", and I'm probably the shortest guy on the bus. The bus is driving through a New York City street. I'm, like, falling over just so I can get next to, you know, Markel Fultz and be like, hey, man, that's a really cool watch you got there. You want to tell me a little something about it? But... Uh, you know, it was very weird, a very weird experience. Um, the best part of it, though, was that, you know, I was on this bus. We were we were on it for probably 20 minutes, half an hour, something like that. At one point, we're done with the feed, so I stop and I charge my phone. OG Ananobi looks over. He's like, hey, man, can I borrow your phone charger? <laughs> Clearly, I don't know OG Ananobi. I barely even know who he is as a player at this point, but I'm like... I don't know. This guy seems trustworthy. I'll give him my I'll give him my uh, phone charger. Kept it for the whole draft. Found me at the end of it and gave it back. Oh, reliable nice. guy. That's wow. why I trust him in the playoffs. If that guy's gonna take your phone charger and return it when he's what twenty years old, you got to give him some respect. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, yeah, like it's a great concept in mind. Like, oh yeah, we'll be on the bus while they're going to the draft. But also, like a part of that is, I'm sure Trey, you would know, you'll be able to speak to this, like. A lot of these guys are probably freaking out a little bit, man. It's like the biggest night in their lives. Oh, for sure. And you're like, where are you getting drafted? Am I getting drafted? Which team am I going to? Oh, my God. Like, you know, just being a young kid, too, and, like, all these eyeballs on you. Like, oh, my. Wow. That's. Yeah. Now you got you sitting down. Hey, man. How's it going? It's like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. I'm also, like, you know, twice as old as basically everybody else on the bus just trying to navigate up and down. Very funny. Very funny to just, uh, you know, be doing my job, but also creeping on Josh Jackson, looking at at his pictures as he's just flipping through and he's got like a million pictures that he's going to post to Instagram. I'm like, all right, man, you got to plan these things out. Smart nice. thinking. Nice. What about you, JD? Is there a starters uh, related one? Things, uh, no starters related. Okay. So I loved every minute. Every ah, minute I've worked boy. on this show. Uh, but when I was a waiter, the worst thing that could happen was if if it was somebody's birthday and they were like, hey, uh, it's my uh, it's my mom's birthday. Would you mind uh, singing happy birthday? And then you have to go and gather up a bunch of people who want to do it even less than you do. And you just gather around and you sing happy birthday. And it's uh, it's the most uh, it's so you're embarrassed for them and you're embarrassed for yourself as well. You know, it's like. It's just nobody likes that. Nobody likes yeah. this, Not the, especially the person whose birthday it is. Yeah. I, I I believe that, uh, but you got to do it, and uh, <laughs> it's just you know it's when you, you know you're in the middle of something like that and you realize I got to do something. I got to change my life. There's something <laughs> wrong here. So. Lee, what about you? Yeah, it was uh, back to the starters days. It was any time I had to put on any headgear because uh, I think I nearly <laughs> passed out a few times. Um, something about me and, and, and headgear just doesn't work. When I had to put on that horse costume, I felt just lightheaded all the time and everyone's just like, ah, 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 this is a great bit you're pulling. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing any bit, man. I could just about collapse here. And um, even to the point where, remember when we dressed as uh, Elvis at Vegas in Summer League? Yep. That wig, like constrain me as well and I felt just with that awful silky costume we had on sitting down we were down courtside before the game and people were coming by and taking photos so we had to stay in costume and I was like this this thing on my head is making me feel like I'm about to I'm getting dizzy here so wow. I have to pass out so yeah I uh, I just don't like you know putting anything on my head really that's uh, 
is going to constrict my breathing out of my head. Right. <laughs> so what was worse, the Elvis or the showgirl uh, feather headdress thing? Well, the, the showgirls one actually wasn't too bad. Um, but yeah, the Elvis one, because it was a tight like mm. wig that really... Like, well, the you know, one that freaked you out the most when you had to wear a scuba diving outfit. <laughs> yeah, well, that was gross. That was gross more oh, than... Yeah. Uh, than, than um, worrying that I was going to actually suffocate because oh. that just started. I got, I got so sweaty in that and it was just disgusting. Oh my God, it was awful. <laughs> like when I took that off, it, had like, it was like I'd been in the water, even though I hadn't. I was just sweaty and gross all over and it smelled as well of everybody else who's ever worn it. But yeah, the, the, uh, the unicorn costume was the worst one because I remember like immediately putting that on and thinking like, oh, where's the breathing here? And I think, um, I think it was that one where Dan... Dan had to come out and like sort of cut something oh, yeah. so that I could uh, <laughs> I could get some oxygen in there. <laughs> I know there was definitely at one point when you were I think you were wearing a scream mask and you yeah. had to have the whole oh. front of it cut out so you yeah. could breathe. Maybe it was that one that Dan that someone had to come and cut a big hole in there so I could breathe. Oh, it's literally been every mask we've ever put you yeah. in. We've had to cut a hole. In I love that you think you might breathe through the top of your head though a little bit. Well, too. you know, but, you know. Most of your um, most of your air escapes out of your head, you know. So uh, what? <laughs> that's, what uh, that's what Seinfeld says. Remember that thing, you know, like um, you know, most of it escapes out of your head. So you could you could go if you, you could go skiing in the nude if you had a really good hat. Yeah, your body heat, not your <laughs> yes, air. Not your breathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your body heat. That's what I mean, though. <laughs> yeah, two different things. But... Yeah, yeah. Oh, During the man. epidemic, I'm wearing a mask on the top of my head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my answer for this is uh it's not starters related um i don't think i don't know if i've ever told this story before but i had a part-time job in toronto um working at like a production company i think i've told this story a long long time ago and you know i just did odds and ends and it was a small production company one of their shows was like a makeover show and they had a giant rv that was sort of like the set i guess like the production set and it would roll up to your house and, you know, you would bring your husband or your wife out and you'd basically just do the makeover right there at your house. That was like the premise of it. So it was this gigantic RV, huge old thing. And, you know, again, I'm working in the office doing whatever they need me to do. And then suddenly you're like, oh, can you back, can you like park the RV? Like it's down the street. Can you bring it down here and park it? I had a driver's license, but like never drove. I never owned a car in Toronto. I mean, I'd been behind a wheel like a handful of times and like obviously did not feel comfortable driving what was probably like a 25, 30 foot, you know, long RV. My buddy Brody was there, but I was like, I'll, okay, I'll do this. And like, you know, I'm like, Brody, be my eyes, you know, like, let me know. Long story short, I crushed a car. Like I backed up into a car, like parking this RV because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Brody was no help. Um, and I like... I backed really slowly into the car and it like lifted the car up and like did some damage to the front. (laughs) And it was like, you know, I'm freaking out, of course. I guess in the end, we just, I don't know if we even told the person. And we're just like, (laughs) I think we did. I think we left a note. The production company did, but uh, I hate it. I didn't want to do it. I was sweating buckets. And again, Brody, like, come on, man, Brody, be my eyes, man. Like, you got to yell, man. Like, let me know what's going on. I'm trying to look in the mirror. He's way back there hated that i left soon after that too jd that was like a it was an eye-opening experience i'm not built for this it happened to michael imperioli on the uh, sopranos he crashed a lexus in the in the pilot he didn't even have a driver's license oh that first scene on his first day talking sopranos it's a good podcast very similar though 
All right, a couple more questions. Almost done here. Uh, this one, you're not going to believe who it's from. I'll read it first, and then I'll tell you. Hey, no dinks and dumps. There's been a lot of coverage lately analyzing the decision since the 10th anniversary is uh, next week. One small part of it really interests me. On Zach Lowe's podcast, Brian Windhorst was discussing how LeBron and his camp were in over their heads as to the actual production of the show, the decision. Specifically, Windy called the phrase, I'm taking my talents to South Beach, a quote, horribly written line. I agree that in the moment it was kind of an awkward line and felt a little arrogant, but in retrospect, I think it's genius. In terms of being memorable and memeable, it's a 10 on 10. That line has been repeated more than any NBA phrase I can think of, maybe other than KD's you the real MVP. So, two-part question. Do you think I'm taking my talents to South Beach was a good or bad line? And if you had to rewrite LeBron's line, what's the funniest or dumbest phrase that you could come up with? Your old podcast pal, Matty O, sent in this email, and then he, at the end, wrote, Firm butts, rub your thighs, Austin. (laughs) <laughs> um, Matty O writing in He's been listening to all these podcasts Talking about the decision And these are two good questions to ask Either whether you thought it was a good or bad line And what you would do to rewrite it Matty O coming through The first question Good or bad line? Neither It's a great line <laughs> I think it's phenomenal He throws in a little lingo in there It's not you know proper, formal Hey, I'm going to play for the Miami Heat next season I'm, I'm taking my talents to South Beach I think it's perfect I think it's simple, but you know, not not too on the nose. I, I think it's great. What would the funniest, dumbest rewrite be? Well, I think he's sitting there with Jim Gray. I think he would stand up, welcome to Miami while the heat is on, starts playing. Uh, Will Smith's welcome to Miami. Bouncing in the club while the heat is on. They start throwing a nice flowing linen shirt around LeBron James. There's dancers around him all night on the beach till the break of dawn. LeBron looks at the camera and says, I'm going to Miami, puts on sunglasses. The dancers around him say, welcome to Miami. Uh, So that would be my rewrite. It would be a whole stupid scene of of Will Smith's welcome to Miami. I think that would be the only dumber thing. How else would you do it? I think that's good. I I I think what he did, although in retrospect, yeah, a dig at Cleveland, uh, big time. But... Hey, it was good. I think it was uh, good in retrospect. I thought, I thought Zach Lowe brought up something on the podcast because I listened to this well as well that I had thought about before but never said out loud, and I agreed with it so much. He thinks if LeBron was wearing a different shirt, the uh, you know the response to the decision would have been differently. And there's something to it. I don't know what it is. LeBron in that weird shirt that he was decided to wear that night. Just didn't work. Was it, uh, was it a Hawaiian the, shirt? It's like a gingham. No, like a it was a gingham. gingham plaid. Yeah, it was, it was a gingham that I would have thought was very cool in grade eight and would have worn to like a, a prom. I'm, in fact, I'm pretty sure I have that shirt. Everybody uh, has that closet. shirt. Yeah, it's a classic college boy gingham, right? It's yeah, nice, nice oh, tight man. checker. 2010 yeah. gingham was on top of the world, just there like it, LeBron. There it is. I guess that's it. I, I, I agree with Lowe. I mean, that shirt's different. I don't know what it is. It changes it somehow. <laughs> but uh, what about the line, Trey? What do you like? Do you like it? Disliked it? You know, how would you change it? Um, you know, the line to me is kind of like Crocs. It's so bad that it has become good. Okay. Uh, right? Like Matteo is saying, when you heard it, you're like, what? What are you saying? But it has become memorable and memeable. 
throughout time. So, so yeah, I guess, uh, I guess I'm kind of with Matt here. I don't know if I could call it a 10 on 10. Maybe it's a 9 on 10. The craziest thing about the decision to me is when LeBron afterwards is sitting in the library and there are more bottles of vitamin water in the shelves than there are books. Yep. That part was crazy to me. As for a rewrite of a line... I also had Will Smith's Miami written down, so I don't, I don't know if there's any other choices. Nope. Yeah. Right. What, if, what so about... My, go ahead, Lee. My answer's pretty similar, except I would have had Will come out on stage and sort of present <laughs> him the uh, Miami jersey. That's that, like, that would have made it so cheesy and so tacky, like, you know, LeBron, watch your decision. And then all of a sudden, the reveal, Will struts out there, the music's planned, and he just gives him the Miami jersey, and, uh, and it's like, there you go. Everyone's like, oh, okay, we know, he's going to the Miami Heat. <laughs> You know what would have been awesome if, because LeBron's a, well, at least he was. I remember seeing him uh, or shots of seeing him in the front row at, at some of the shows. He was a wrestling fan. If they had done some sort of like NWO, like new, new, new world order, and like he becomes like Hollywood Hulk Hogan and just they like go to the dark side, all three of them together would have been amazing. Uh, which I guess in a weird way, maybe that's what that sort of uh, celebration rally was, sort of had the vibe of that. But if they had really leaned into that, it would have been amazing. Yeah, I think that would have required them to know that they were going to be villains immediately. And it definitely didn't feel like that, right? Because like you're saying, LeBron definitely embraced the villain role eventually, but it was party time. Yeah, in the city where the heat is on, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great question, Matty O. We miss you, buddy. Well, I, and we get a lot of people saying, just you got to do a podcast with Matty O. We said this before. We will. We just wanted to do it in person. And then obviously he was going to be coming back. It was going to be perfect. We were going to have him in the studio, do a deep dive with him. What have you been up to? Have some laughs. And then obviously, uh, you know, encouraged to not be traveling anywhere. So we will. We will have a Matty O podcast in the future. You can lock it in. It's just a matter of when. Uh, in, the, in the spirit of uh, Matty O and how he likes to dig into the minutiae, maybe I'm just not cool enough, but I didn't know you could say it's 10 on 10 instead of 10 out of 10. <coughs> he did write that, didn't he? Right? I mean... Yeah, he wrote 10 I, I, on I was 10. Like, did, I was like, did I do that? Was that a typo by me? But yeah. I'm, I'm Googling. It's on Urban Dictionary. So awesome. maybe he's just, he just, he just in the know. He's so hip. He's so hip in LA. That's what they say out there. Ten on ten. And Trey, you said it there too. Is it is that correct? I was just quoting Matteo. <laughs> uh, nine on ten. Um, the last email here. Hey Dunkies. Quick question here. Is Lee going to record an audio version of his book? Or will he refuse to accept that people listen to it? Oh, the old audio book debate. Is it reading or is it listening? Turn up, love you guys. Awesome. That's from Nicola. So, Lee, you're going to record an audio version of your book. Sure. I think that's the thing that everyone does these days. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so why not? Uh, is there an update on your book, by the way? Oh, you know, making progress, I would say. Um, yeah, making progress. Uh, it's um, funny. Uh, it's it's a tough project to get through, and um, it's definitely uh, this is the challenge for me is whether whether or not I can get to the end of this because it's uh, it's pretty daunting. But I I'm encouraged because I saw the other day that Barack Obama is apparently writing a book, and he's a little bit of a procrastinator as well. He takes his time. He wants to get things right. So okay. I feel that uh, I've actually got something in common here with Barack. So maybe. I don't know if it's a thing, but maybe me and him could get together and have like a, a book writing session. You know, you need like, you know, when you sort of work out together 
you get yeah. you, you know you bring out more of yeah. each other yeah. I wonder if like okay Barack you get your laptop there I'll sit here you just all write alright right, and we'll encourage right. each other you know like right, I'll write like, one word then you write the next word <laughs> I'll write the next word no, but when someone gets distracted like if I can see his screen I say hey Barack I can see you scrolling man you get back to work then he's like alright alright all right. Okay. so then we uh, you sort of we sort of encourage each other so but um yeah, it's been fun. I mean, it's fun. It's just daunting. And uh, it's funny, I, I actually have found some old emails that have um, helped to sort of tell the story. So, uh, mm. yeah. So uh, it's been uh, it's been good. But yeah. Um, um, Here, here's the question. If you do the audiobook version, will mm. you um, read it? Like it will be in your voice? Or, or is there like a, a celebrity that you'd like to uh, <laughs> to get for, the, for those? Mm. Uh, wow. If there was a celebrity, who would I get? I mean, it yeah. sort of has to be an Australian celebrity, really, for, for, for me to have the voice. So, right. Ah, Hugh Jackman, I suppose. I mean, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, you might as well just do it at that point. I mean, I uh, yeah, tell the yeah. difference. Well, what's that guy, the honey badger? What about him? I'll get him to read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. That's a great idea. Uh, man, we got a lot of response to that discussion about. Uh, you know, could you say that you read a book if you yeah. had listened to the audio version of it? There was a lot of opinions. So thanks to everybody who was tweeting in and, and emailing in. Uh, I feel like some people lost track of the actual original question, like the, the real point. But it's fine. Yes. It's fine. It well, you know, went in a million directions, as it always does, especially on Twitter. But uh, I enjoyed it. I loved uh, contemplating it. And seeing people's response to it, Lee, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that was one thing we got a few people saying. Well, what if someone is uh, visually impaired? Yeah, you know, then they can't read it, so they have to listen to it. I'm like, well, I mean, no one's saying they can't do it. No one, no, we're not, we're not trying to discriminate that people can't read or, or listen to a book if they're physically unable to do one of those. I'm just saying, from my position listening is different to reading it yes that's, yes definitely agree with that yeah and, and but, it's not i wouldn't say to someone if i listened to a book i wouldn't say i read it i just wouldn't say that because i don't think you read it well my favorite sort of example uh, i was talking to jared about this back to we'll bring it full circle here back to shucking here oysters um <laughs> he put it that like this Lee, and i think this is fair okay no one is trying to say that reading is the same as listening okay it's not they're two different things but the point was when i asked the original question was can i in conversation if you had asked me um have you read that book and i had only actually listened to it could I feel confident in saying yes right away, right? And then you could follow up with whatever, like, well, I actually listened to it, whatever. Could you just feel confident in saying yes? And that's what we were debating. And JD felt absolutely, Trey agreed. But he says, if I was texting with you all day, okay, Lee? Like, we're texting back and forth. And then Trey asks you, hey, have you talked to Phil today? Have you talked to Skeets? You would probably say yes, even though we technically have not talked to each mm. other we were texting now because it just it just you know it was a simple way to answer the question again like i think jd called it like a white lie but it like it gets to the point of like yeah i did and that to me is a great example it's like i think you would say that but i think you would quantify that at the start though and you would say well no i haven't been speaking to him but we've been texting i think i well, i think you maybe. would say that i don't I think, know i think i would say yes right away if i had just been texting with you and somebody said hey have you talked to lee I think I would say yes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, ah. I, I, I think you would you would sort of just you would you would add that disclaimer straight away. Oh, uh, well, okay, okay. I, I just think you would. I, I, you know, like, like for example, like okay, if you're FaceTiming like a parent, you know, like my dad in Australia and Roxana, my wife says, "Have you spoken to your dad recently?" I wouldn't just say yes if I'd been texting. I would say, 
well, I FaceTimed him the other day or, you know, uh, we, I haven't spoken to him. We've been trying to sort of connect, find a time, but we've been messaging back and forth. All right. I think you could and have before in your past <laughs> said yes to that answer is my point. And I think it was well, totally yeah, fair. It's, it's, a gra- it's a great line, I think, because, because of that, because it's like you're trying to determine exactly what you did. Right. You know, you're not, you're not, it's, not, it's not just all one catch-all. It's like, well, I haven't really spoken to him, but we've been messaging. <laughs> oh, God. I'm glad we could readdress this so, so much. All right, guys. Let's, let's call it there. Uh, this was a fun one. Thanks to everybody for sending in your questions. Keep them coming. No dunks at theathletic.com. Tweet them in at no dunks Inc. Coming up on Friday. Oh, this is exciting. Tass, you're going one-on-one with Atlanta Hawks coach Lloyd Pierce. Um, He's become, you know, a leading voice, I think it's safe to say, in Atlanta and across the NBA when it comes to speaking about racial injustice and police brutality and voting rights especially. So you've got that lined up. You're talking to Lloyd. I am very much looking forward to talking to Hawks head coach Lloyd Pierce because through all this unrest, I think we've all wondered, what the heck can we do? What can we do to change things? And the Hawks, as an organization, led by coach Lloyd Pierce, have done something. They have taken their arena, State Farm Arena, where they play basketball, and they've made it into a polling location, which is the largest polling location in Georgia and most likely the largest in the U.S. They're giving people a voice, and they're making voting cool. Is that possible? Who knows? Uh, Coach Lloyd Pierce will uh, tell me about that. Of course, we're going to talk about basketball, and uh, we're going to talk about him coaching the youngest team in the NBA throughout all of this unrest looking forward to talking to coach pierce that podcast on friday might have another one in store we're putting it together right now but you know you guys subscribe to the no dunks podcast and you'll get them automatically get those questions in like i said for next week's beach step in and don't forget to leave your boys a five star rating and review on itunes clipper bros you heard it here first have a great time turn up love you guys awesome thanks for joining us and remember one day there will be a word invented explicitly for listening to an audiobook which is not <laughs> listening or reading i'll give that possibility a 10 on 10 embrace the day people <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>